Hey, what's up guys? Welcome to the MMA on Point live chat. And guess what? I'm back. I was gone for a week, but now I'm back. I had wisdom tooth surgery and I'm, I'm back from that and I feel good. So what's up everybody? I hope everybody's doing all right. You know me, I'm the co-owner of the channel, Jason Hartley. I'm joined by my co-host, Pizzi, who you've gotten really, you know, used to, uh, hopefully by now. And he's got <laughs> a beautiful haircut. He's got a really great haircut. How are you feeling? Thanks very much. Um, look a million books, uh, but my missus had to do it and she is not very happy. I don't think she's speaking to me after it. So, uh, <laughs> but look, look how good it looks. So, I mean, it was worth it as far as I'm concerned. What a QT. Um, and then we got Lawton over here helping out. What's up, Lawton? What's going on, everybody? How are you guys today? Pizzi, Jason, doing good? Yeah, man. Killing it. Good Fabulous. Stuff. All good. Yeah, thanks for sorting out the mic issues. We had like a weird hum going on on his mic. And Lawton, to be the sound guy that he is, literally had a couple extra XLR cables in his car, <laughs> ran out and grabbed a couple of them, plugged them up. So he averted a crisis. Like otherwise, we would just like, all right, Lawton, you have no mic today. Yeah, I was like, I wouldn't have a microphone. It was super hummy, but we got it figured out. So what's up, Grayson? We were very worried about what Carson would say about it, you know, because he's so... <laughs> Consume with our audio we're like oh my god he's gonna be so upset carson be like wait guys um they're actually... i'm usually joking around <laughs> but for real there actually is an audio issue today it's like wait a minute yes that's right people are calling you young jamie 2.0 that's right uh absolutely killing it good to see um grayson early in the chat though you never really see that but uh, yeah, so I say we jump right into it. We got a big week, huge fight week. It's not just a good main event. We got all kinds of things going out throughout this card. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the Hamzat Shamayev stuff. So let's jump right into it. The Kumite Crunch Baby. So for people who aren't familiar with the concept of this, this kind of the starter conversation. We'll go into a live chat format after this. But these are quick, hot, one-minute takes on um, a variety of topics uh, throughout this week and what's going on in MMA. And then once we get through that, you guys can kind of get where we stand on it, and you guys can start asking questions, and we'll jump right into the live chat. So um, let's go with the first one whenever cool. you are ready, Lon. Yep. So chat, we do this every week, but yeah, if you're new here, what we're going to do is we got five headlines on the side of your screen. I'm going to read the kind of question and backstory on it, and while I'm doing that, you guys put in the chat who should take this question first. Jason or Pizzi, you only get one vote. No spamming. We will hopefully count accurately. <laughs> no promises. Uh, we had a little Everyone's flub last week. Out. But uh, cool. So, yeah, who should take this one? Pizzi or Jason? Put it in the chat right now. And we got the headline of title upset. So of the three title fights on 259, which one is the most likely to have upset victory? Uh, UFC.com has Adesanya as a minus 230 favorite. Jan and Aljo, uh, dead even at negative 110. And Nunez is a whopping negative 1250 favorite. So what are your thoughts on those three title fights? Let's go to the chat. Oh, wow. We got a lot of people actually voting today. I like Way it. Way more oh, people wow. for PC. And then at the end, I started really? getting some. I, I yeah. still think PC won it. I think, yeah. We got actually, a lot I think of interaction. I'd be very keen to see Jason back in action. That's what it, maybe, maybe <laughs> they're trying to delay it. Give it a big tease, you know? Maybe that's what the concept is. Well, uh, one person called you uh, Pito Pizzi, so oh, maybe the, nice. you know maybe there's some veiled criticism behind that as well. I don't I don't know what's going My on. My missus is 32 years of age. I'll have you know, sir, and she is beautiful. So yeah, but you started dating her. What are you two years older than her? You probably started dating her when she was still underage. We know what's up. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Jason. <laughs> 
lord. All right, so we'll give this one you to PT. So well. <laughs> we'll give it to you, PT, to start it off. So you got one minute on your thoughts about the title upset. You ready? Absolutely. All right, one minute starting <laughs> now. Yeah, I think, honestly, if Megan Anderson beats Amanda Nunes, it will be one of the biggest upsets of all time. I mean, Holly Holm, Ronda Rousey, in hindsight, that wasn't a huge upset. But there's GSP v Matt Serra, and I would rank that right up there with this. I mean, Aljo and Jan is so close. I think uh, Lawton just said they're even. So, I mean, I don't think that would be a shock either way. But I will say that I spoke to Eugene Berman this week, Stylebender's head coach. And I've never heard him talk so glowingly about an opponent of Israel's in my life. And that actually makes me feel like, wow, these guys are taking this guy really, really seriously. Like, for instance, ahead of the Paolo Costa fight, mm. he told me, like, this is going to be a one-sided beatdown. Like, this will be a masterclass performance. So when Eugene Berman's putting this much weight on Jan, who has propelled himself to the top of that division, being a consummate underdog... I feel as though he has a great chance too. Obviously, the biggest upset would have to be Megan Anderson beating Amanda Nunes, but I have to say, I'm growing into the Jan, nar- uh, the, the Jan Blahovich narrative now, I have to say. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Good answer. Jason? Welcome back, Jason. Let's do this. Come on, son! No! <laughs> Jason, you ready for your one, one minute on the title upset topic? No. Go! I've been gone for so long. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> All right, one minute on you starting now. Yeah, I tend to agree on this one. Um, you know, the odds kind of have it splayed out. And the odds don't necessarily reflect what the common public thinks. I do think Aljo definitely is an underdog in terms of what the hardcore fans think. I think he's got a ton of hype around him. I, I just think there's more hype around P- Piotr at this point. Um, I don't see Megan Anderson really having a chance. I don't see it happening there. So the one that I find to be the most realistic is Jan Blahovich winning. So I tend to agree with you. And I, you know, honestly, have not learned my lesson. You know, I thought Luke Rockhold would beat him. I thought Corey Anderson would beat him. I thought, you know, Reyes would beat him. And I thought Reyes beat John Jones. I was in that camp with a lot of people that thought Reyes proved himself as the best 205 pounder in his last fight. Before that, Jan just destroyed him. One body kick and his body looked like he'd taken 20 of them. You know, he just looked insane. So um, I think uh, I haven't learned my lesson about Jan, and I'm still picking Izzy, but I feel like that's the most likely upset if one were to happen. Yeah. Right on time. Look at that. Holy shit. Doesn't <laughs> miss a beat. Akit coming back on fire. X, go and give it to you. I, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> El Aliette says, and Jason is still our boy. Love it. Yes. Oh gosh. There we go. All right, so good answers. So now we are moving to the next headline. Chat, same thing. Who should take this one? Jason, PT, put it in the chat right now while I kind of read this question. <clears throat> so we got the headline of double champs. Let me get my notes. So we have one double champ on the card already with Nunez, potentially another in Izzy if, if he wins, and Jan is the first champ since Tripsy left. Should have read this before. Oh, oh, did I misspell? Yeah, I was like, who the hell? <laughs> I, I wrote like, these questions. I literally, okay. <laughs> Sorry, we have ah. with the audio thing. I didn't read these in advance. I like swear I'm it says triple C, and he just can't read, guys. No, there's no. Oh, so I was like, who I is Tripes? No, I, I I misspelled it. That's sure. my bad. Okay, so Jan is the first champ since Triple C left. So what does being a double champ in 2021 <laughs> now mean? That's what the question's supposed to be. So let's go to the chat. Let's see who's gonna let's win go this tripe one. Let's go, Tripes C. I'm seeing way more Jasons this time. Yeah, That's Jason, what I'm talking about. Jason definitely won this one. So. 
Jason, would you like to give us Tripe your thoughts C. on Tripsy? <laughs> Good to see. I love the the fan adoration. I was only gone for one week, and this is what it took to get people to vote for me oh, again. Gosh. I don't know what's going on here. So it's good to have you guys back. Um, Grayson right. uh, says that Lawton can't even read. I literally can't. I'm sorry, everybody in Grayson. I I failed you. So all right, Jason. <laughs> he became a double champion. So I mean, <laughs> don't don't rule it out. Don't rule him out. That's absolutely correct. All right, Jason. One minute, double champs. You ready? Yes, sir. All right, starting now. Yeah, I think back when Connor won both titles, it felt like it was something special. And people forget that Dan Henderson was the first person to do it. There's always been caveats, though, with pretty much every single champion that's done it. Like, they either just left their division. Like, DC, he defended his title a few times at light heavyweight. But once he won at heavyweight, he never went back down. Connor, he traded out his belt for the next one. Dan Henderson actually lost his first uh, he actually lost to Kazuo Mazaki while he was still champion, and they never rematched after that. They had two fights, they never went for a trilogy, and then he just went on to the UFC. So I feel like there's always been a caveat with being a double champ, a triple champ, whatever it might be. Um, you know, if we go with it, there's not really a triple champ, but going with the Olympic medal with triple C or tripe C. Uh, so for me, uh, I don't really think they ever had as much value, but even still, like, I'm still falling for it in this case, though. All that being said, everything that I just said is negated by the fact that I'm really hyped to see Izzy fight Jan this weekend. Like, super hyped for it. Um, this is probably my most anticipated fight of the year. I got 10 more seconds? Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Ending it with the most anticipated fight. So, Pizzi, same topic, double champs. You got one minute. You ready? Yes. All right, starting now. So, yeah, they've, they've become a lot more common in this era than any other. I think they used to be reluctant to allow people to fight for a second title because it would hold up divisions. And, of course, we saw that famously happen when McGregor won the lightweight title, goes off to fight Mayweather, doesn't come back for a number of years, eventually vacates the title. It does cause a lot of headaches. But I will say that a double champion still needs to be a very special fighter. There is no doubt about that. Like Izzy's talking about going into this fight weighing 195 to 200 pounds. That would make it even more special to put away a guy of like Jan Blachowicz is, who's putting out people with one shot. You know, he has that one shot stopping power. So I still think it's the most special athletes go on to be a double champion. Are we growing lethargic of it? Maybe, but nobody can tell me honestly that they aren't pumped for this fight. It's absolutely huge, and it will be a coronation moment for Izzy if he pulls it off. And on the other end of that, if it's Jan Blachowicz, it's a huge star-making moment. It works both ways. Mm. Well said. Nice. Cool. All right. I disagree. Uh, No. (laughs) Yeah, definitely agree. (laughs) All right, so moving on to the third headline. So, again, chat, who should take this, Jason or PT? We got the headline, Hamzat Shimaev. So, Hamzat says he retired, and awkwardly, Dana White and the Chechen dictator, Katerov, both say he is not. What the hell is going on? Who's right? <laughs> who Who is actually speaking truth? So that's what we're kind of talking about. So let's go to the chat. Not a, catching up. All right, two for Pete, one for Jason, <laughs> three Pete, looking like Pete. Three oh. Pete. Yeah, there's, three there's Pete. Yeah, yep. yeah, Pete yep. got Pete it. Pete is smoking that one, so... Pizzi, your thoughts on Hamza? You got one minute starting now. Yeah, um, 
I think this is a very tragic situation. This is a guy who emigrated to Sweden in 2011, probably found it very hard to find his footing there, as anyone would, moving to a new country. Eventually finds his place in the world with mixed martial arts, wins the national championship in wrestling, then focuses on MMA. Suddenly he gains all this momentum, gets to the UFC, becomes one of the most talked about fighters in a matter of months. And, you know, all of this media speculation, everything on him. And then he gets matched with one of the best fighters in the world and Leon Edwards. And suddenly the whole thing comes to a crashing halt. I'm sure he's on the phone with UFC execs ringing him all the time, asking him when he's ready. And he eventually just said, look, I, I retire. I think everyone just needs to back off Hamza and we need to hope for his health more than anything. Not about him getting back in the octagon, anything like that. Let the guy get healthy. Let him get fit again. And if he wants to come back, he can come back. But I don't think they should match him with a top-tier opponent, given the gravity of his situation. Nice. Hmm. Cool. All right. Jason, one minute. Thoughts on Hamza starting now. No. Um, it's a super, super awkward situation. You know, putting myself in Hamza's shoes... Literally, the moment I retire, a dictator is like, no, you're not. <laughs> and my boss is like, no, you're not. I, I think it's a really strange thing. I don't understand why any of this has to play out in the public. Any of it. Like, I understand Hamzat's side. I understand him letting people know. He wants people to know from him first, not from a secondary report. So I understand that side of it. But Kadyrov to say something publicly for... Dana to be saying something publicly. It's honestly like, yeah, it's not their place. Like, I understand that Dana is his boss, but Dana used to be famous for saying, I don't want an ounce of that kind of money of people who are ready to retire, and I'm telling them they have to stay on. Of course, we all want Shemayev to come back. We want Dana to be right. We want Habib to come back too. But it feels like posturing as a promoter, and it feels like Kadyrov being a dictator and saying, no, I'm going to have my way here. It's very, very, very awkward. Um, I, I don't understand why they should be saying this in public. They shouldn't be. Yeah, Completely agree. Completely agree with you, man. It's, it's really, really... Like, I, I can't stress enough like how much this guy's life changed within a matter of months. All this media speculation, thousands of media requests, everything you do is going viral. Everything you do is being talked about. Look, and, and that's not the, the, the fan's fault. That's great, like, you know, that they respond to this guy in this way. But when you get a sickness like that and everything you thought would be your life, you found your calling in the world and you can't do that anymore. Mm. Can you imagine what that feels like? You know, all of this struggle he's had in his life for, like, you know, come from Chechnya to Sweden. It's not easy. You don't just walk into a life in Sweden and everyone's your best friend. Yeah. It's hard to, to make yourself a member of those communities, eventually he prevails to this level where people are like, this is the next big superstar, and he can't do what made people love him so much. It's very hard. I just want everyone to just leave the guy alone for a while, let him get yeah. well, and let him come to his own decisions. I, I hated all these people coming out and speaking for him. Um, I, I thought it was really bad. As Jason said, I had no time for it whatsoever. It's his choice. Let him make his choice. Yeah, I just don't understand the public posturing part of it. Like, why are people, like, as this guy said that he feels like it's his health and safety, why do people feel like they need to come out? Like, Dana should be reaching out to him personally. He should be grabbing him on the phone and saying, hey, man, you all right? 
I understand what you're going through. You know, call me back in a couple of months because I really want you to consider. I think that, you know, I really want you to reconsider because I feel like this is a good opportunity for you. All that makes sense in a personal conversation. But to then publicly like put pressure on a guy who's just done one of the hardest things that you can do. I mean, we've seen how uh, short retirements are in this sport how hard it is for somebody to actually walk away and what that must have felt like for him to write that big, long, heartfelt message about it and then have to go through all this criticism like from, frankly, moronic, idiotic, low IQ fans, like the ones that are just like, oh, yeah, you're just afraid. and Like, shut the fuck up. You guys are losers on your couch saying that shit. Um, Dude, he lived in war-torn Chechnya as a child. I don't think he's afraid of much, you know? Like, the dude is... You know, like, this is a hard life. And, like, I, I felt like... You know, Dana talking about him being emotional. Of course he's emotional. Yeah. Are you joking me? Of course, man. Anyone that has their livelihood taken from them would is emotional. But for a fella to be in Hamzat situation, like it, it's it's taking it to levels that it's rarefied air. Most human beings can't even relate to that. You know, so I, I just I thought it was really bad the way it was handled. I couldn't agree with Jamar J. Really, like, yeah. Why put pressure on the guy like that? Let the guy handle it. Reach out to him personally. Be there for the guy. And that's the way. If if you're gonna want to bring him back, that's the irony of it too. If you want to bring him back, it's probably not putting pressure on the guy. It's probably gonna be like, well, fuck you. <laughs> like now you just pissed me off. You you know before yeah. I was on good terms with you, but now you're trying to put pressure on me and telling me I have to do what you want. Like screw you. The Kadyrov situation is way more awkward because he's got an entire military behind him. But um. Yeah, it just well, not, like, it shouldn't we, be playing out it, the public. Like they should reach out to him personally, have a conversation with him, and let him make his announcement what he wants to do next. Because that's ultimately who's making the real decision there. Like the the thing that Dana said, like this guy keeps going back training. Why do you think that is? You booked Leon Edwards v Hamza Shumoyev three times, knowing they had COVID. Mm. You knew they weren't. Like I said in January on this show, yeah. when they booked that fight uh, for March, I was like. That is very, very optimistic from the UFC to think both of these guys who've had really, really bad bouts with COVID are going to be ready. And, and why do you think he's in the gym? Because he's probably still getting them phone calls. Are you ready? Are you ready? Can we book you for this day? Can we book you for this day? Just leave him alone. Let, let him get right. Yeah. Like, there's no one that wants to fight more than Hamzat Shemoyev. I'm sure of it. It's just he needs to be right. Mm -hmm. And we want to see him at his best. We don't want to see him, like, recovering from this or whatever situation he's in. It's a very scary situation. Like, this is not... Um, a head cold. This is a very, very serious situation, you know? Yeah, he was talking about having, like, heart palpitations. Like, really, coughing really serious blood. stuff. Yeah, coughing up blood. Like, that doesn't just happen from an everyday sickness. Like, he's clearly getting the worst of it. So, mm. anyhow. Um, All right. Yeah, good takes there. <clears throat> yep. No, I'll let, let you guys go a little long. I enjoyed that conversation. So, we do <laughs> still have two more kumites, though, to get through. So, we got the next headline of the undercard fight. So, chat, again, we're getting back on track. Who should take this, Jason or Pizzi? Put your answer in the chat. We got the headline of the undercard fight. So, naturally, the focus is on all three title fights this weekend. What's the fight outside of this that you feel is not getting enough attention? So, we're talking about outside of those three, which fight is not getting enough attention that's probably going to be probably going to be one for the books this weekend. So, Let's yeah. see here. It's looking a little bit like Jason, actually. A little Fox bit sake. like Christmas. I know. Sorry, Pizzi. I mean, I hold the fort down for a whole week, and this is the thanks I get. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
All right, so Jason, we're going to you. One minute on an undercard fight that's not getting enough attention. Are you ready? You're yeah. taking everything I live for, motherfucker. <laughs> Still in it. <laughs> All hey, right, man. Jason, one minute starting now. Yeah, so it actually is really tough to narrow down just one fight on the card. I mean, this card is truly stacked from top to bottom. There are incredible fights on this card. Everything on the main event is great. Dominic Cruz versus Casey Kenny is on the undercard. Like, holy shit. Song Yadong's back on this one. Joseph Benavidez versus Askar Askarov. Kaikar France versus Hogeri Bontarin. Like, this this card is just ridiculous from top to bottom. But the, I think the one that I have to go with that's really under the radar, Sean Brady versus Jake Matthews. Sean Brady is one of my top prospects of the year. I think Jake Matthews is a great matchup for him. I think it's a really good test at this stage in his career. And I think it's a good you know statement for the welterweight division of where the future is. So I think it's a really good matchup, really solid competitors, and I'm really hyped on him. Sean Brady is really good everywhere. He's really the side of the equation I'm wanting to see more than any, anything. Ten seconds. Um, Cage Fighting Fury Championship. He used to be the champion there, and uh, I think he's somebody to watch, and I'll definitely be paying attention 100%. Cool. All right. Petey, coming your way. One minute on an undercard on. fight. Oh, yeah. That's not getting coming enough attention. You ready? Yes. All right. One minute starting now. I think Jason did the good thing by going through all the undercard fights as he did. Um, but I'm going to pick one that's on the main card. It isn't a title fight, <laughs> but I am really interested in, really, 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 more so than any fight he's ever been in. Really? Uh, Islam Makashev. Um, sorry. <laughs> Islam Makashev's fight because he's fighting, of course, Drew Dober. And look, when you look at Islam Makashev's record, it's mostly like most of his successes come against guys who are really good on the ground. But what we've seen from Drew Dober lately is his absolute power, his knockout power. And that's that's really in Islam's weak area, right? He's not known for his striking ability. He's known as a proficient grappler. I, I really, really feel like Drew Dober's in the form of his career. He's beaten guys like Nazra Hakparas, who we felt in Europe was going to be this huge prospect. So I feel as though Drew Dober has the capabilities to really score a huge upset on a guy who Abib thinks will be the next king of lightweight. So that for me is really, really compelling. Nice. Yeah, Drew Dober is like a, a total sleeper, 100%. In what the a form jawline. that he's come into. <laughs> what a jawline on that guy too. Um, oh my God. Yeah, I mean, his his career has totally resurgent, uh, had a resurgence. We, we made a video recently about like fighters leveling up just out of nowhere and how they just like went from one level to the next it feels like drew dober is one of those guys and yeah islam's got all the hype in the world coming from his team like dc everybody from ak is hyping him up along with habib it's just ridiculous i mean when um but this guy's job is beating up prospects man like it's yeah. like you know what i mean like he had alex hernandez in his last fight mm. You know what I mean? Like, it's always guys who were like, oh, this guy is going to go on and go on to be, like, you know, really a, a prominent force in the division. Like, I can't tell you how pumped German fans were about Hackparast. Oh, I know yeah. he's um, of Afghani origin and stuff, but when I went to Hamburg to see him, I believe it was in his debut against Mark Casey, people were going wild for the guy. Yeah. Like, they thought this was the next champion. He was going to be the first champion from Germany. And, and then Drew Dober just dismantled him like absolutely destroyed him in one round then he does the same to hernandez like look how hot we are for tiago moises now after his win against alex hernandez and how look how good he looked jude ober mopped the floor with the guy so i feel as though he's well used to this situation he's going in as the veteran against a guy everybody thinks is going to go on to take over the world 
I, I just feel like there's an upset in the cards there. I really do. Mm. I hope Islam shuts my mouth. Like, you know, because wow. everyone thinks that he's this great prospect. I've never seen him. He's never appeared to me like to be this outrageous prospect the AKA guys talk about him as. So wow. show that to me. If he beats Drew Dober, I'll believe it. But right now, I'm not really sold on him. Wow. That's yeah. huge. That's huge. Um, what do you think? Am I wrong to say that about Islam? Like, I mean, I know he's very good at winning, but I haven't, I haven't had my my socks blown off by the guy. No, you know, I haven't been like, holy shit, Islam Magashev. Yeah, he's not shown near the dominance level that we've seen from Habib. You know, like he's had really close decisions um, on several occasions, multiple occasions, um, and then of course he got KO'd at one point in his career we just haven't seen that same level from the beginning we saw that from habib outside of which which fight am i thinking of the controversial decision that habib had yeah the glacian t-bow and then glacian t-bow tested positive for steroids after that so i mean that's kind of washed a bit of that away and it was in 2012 when he first got into the ufc so even then you know there are a ton of caveats with that even in the one possible instance that you could look at habib's career in comparison Islam's has certainly pales. It's not It's not looked nearly as good. So, I mean, you're absolutely right to call it into question, for sure. Because, I mean, of course the team is going to big up the you know, other friend. And that's, like, literally Habib's best friend. Abdul Manap, when he was still around, was hyping him. You know, he was saying that, oh, yeah, I feel like he could be even better than Habib. Like, Abdul Manap was saying that. So, I mean, of course the camp is going to say glowing things about him. I would say that, that you know, that's uh, extraordinary in terms of what they're saying about him especially for abdul manap to say that but um yeah uh just not seeing it ourselves you know some people are just like that they're in, incredible in training and it doesn't necessarily translate to inside the cage on fight night and that might be the case with him it, it's hard to see but this would be a big test for him i think because drew dober is game as hell right now you're, you're right to point that out and i think it's a great fight to highlight absolutely so. All right, sweet. So we are moving on to the final Kumite. So again, chat, who should take this last and final one, Jason or Pizzi? Put your answer in the comment. I'll talk a little slower because I think I missed a few votes last round. So Jason or Pizzi, put it in the chat. We got the headline of Cyril gone. So let's not forget last weekend's main event. So what did you make of Gon's win over Rosenstruck, and how does it affect the division? So we're referring back to last week. We're going to discuss that. Let's see who we got. Ooh. <laughs> it's pretty tight, but I think PT might be in the lead. Damn it, dude. Oh, my oh God. yeah. P yeah. Did it, the PT ones Son are flowing in It's right that haircut, now. dude. Yeah, yeah it, it's it that haircut. haircut. <laughs> Speaking of flowing, you know, just seeing those locks flowing in the wind. I mean, not really at all. It's pretty frozen. I'm not even sure it's real hair anymore. You, you can't call me Lego hair anymore. You can call him Lego hair now. All right, Pizzi, you got one minute on Cyril Gon's win, and how does it affect the division starting now? <laughs> Look, Cyril Gon got a lot of criticism that I found was absolutely unfounded last week. I mean, this is the guy that has everything to protect in this situation. He's the guy that's undefeated. He's the guy that's, that's trying to challenge a guy that's higher in the rankings than him. And he absolutely wiped the floor with Jairzinho Rosenstruck. I know it wasn't a festival of atrocities or a violent, you know what I mean? Like, everybody wanted to see this crazy fight, but, I mean, for him to do that against Rosenstruck is absolutely unbelievable. And let's not forget, 
Rosenstruck put over him out in like the last second of their fight. He had every reason to be very cautious there. The thing is, it was on Rosenstruck to go on and do something. He knew he was losing that fight. He had to know he was losing that fight. So he's the guy with the knockout power. He's the guy who can plant his feet and land one shot to change the fight, as we saw against Overeem. So I think the criticism should be put on him rather than Cyril Gann. He should have went out there and went out on his shield if he wanted to get the win. He knew he was losing. So I don't understand the criticism of Gann. Nice. Cool. All right. Jason, one minute. Same topic. Gann's win. What's it do to the, to the division? Wow, it was a hard sentence. You got one, dude. I just my you did it. My brain just Tripe shut C, down. Tripe C in the house, baby. Tripe C. I, <laughs> Hell yeah. I'm never. I'm probably never gonna live that one down. That was like your what? Whose name did you mess up that one week? Like twice in a row. I've never done that. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, I, someone else that may or may not be on this chat had a hiccup too, and it, it took it. him like months to live it down. So that's, I don't know what you're talking about. Tripe C will be mine, I guess. So that's fine. So all right. Jason, you know the topic. One minute starting now. Yeah, um, it, I always hate it when fans like criticize effective martial arts. Like, I always find that to be annoying because, like, I've talked about this a bunch of times. Like, whether or not it's entertaining to you, you're kind of irrelevant. You honestly are. I'm irrelevant. Like, it wasn't the most exciting card, but we saw high-level martial arts on display. And that's really what it's about. That's what the UFC was founded to do from the beginning. And yes, it is a business. And they wouldn't be there without us. But it also is built on this pedigree of actual legitimate talent. And if you have a problem with legitimate talent not always be entertaining, then I think it's the wrong sport for a lot of people. I think it's a really strange criticism to get caught up in. You weren't entertained, but they were risking all their shit for you to sit down on the couch on Saturday and watch it. So fuck off. That's that's my honest feeling about <laughs> it. It's like, seconds. chill out. Um but yeah, like I think he played the right game plan. He's only seven fights into his career when he fought him. He's now 8-0 as a result of that. That's just incredible to be that far along in your career. I'm thoroughly, thoroughly impressed. And I think he's right in line for the title. He's, you know, around the top five. Uh, I would put him in at least, for sure. He's only been fighting for three years. Yeah. I mean, what like was The that? dude only fighting for three years goes in and does that against Rosenstruck, who we've seen destroy guys in there. And people are like... Oh, could have been better, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Three years, okay, he you looked better than Overeem did. Three years, he looked better than Overeem, like you were pointing out earlier. Just ridiculous, you know? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Look, I think that guy is going to... Like, he's the type of striker that's so sophisticated that we're only going to see him really unload like he did against JDS when he feels like his back is up against the wall. He's going to need... Like, he's, he's so much kickboxing experience and striking experience... That it like he can really outclass people on the feet. It's gonna take a really good wrestler or just someone with power like Nganu. Please do that fight in France. But <laughs> it's gonna take someone like that to really unsettle him and and get him out of his comfort zone. Because man, he looked at ease there. He he didn't look like he needed to get out of second gear really. And I, I thought that was excellent. And I love the fact that you know he gets hit with the criticism first question probably in the press conference yeah. like. Oh, Dana said this, and he just laughed. Like, first of all, he thought it was a compliment. He was like, yeah. "Oh, thanks very much." <laughs> and they're like, "No, no, no." Actually, it was criticism. He's like, "Oh yeah, fair enough." You know, like, he's got to make money. Yeah, Dana is a weird guy, man. Like, I understand that as a promoter, you want the most exciting fights because that sells the most tickets. But in what case does it actually help you as a promotion to be like, "Yeah, 
uh, screw my fighter. <laughs> like, yeah. that was your main event. That's the one that you just sold. Um, I don't know. I, I don't really understand that from Dana. It doesn't help him in any way, shape, or form to talk that way. I understand that, like, there's some honesty that comes through. I get that part of it. Like, he doesn't want to come off like he's selling wolf tickets to quote the great Nick, uh, Nick Diaz. I almost said Nate. Nick Diaz. 209, baby. Yeah, 209. Um, so... I get it to a certain extent of him trying to be honest to the to the crowd, but like you can still be honest. You don't have to say disparaging things about the guy who just outclassed one of your top heavyweights, and he's very early into his career, and he looked better than Overeem when Overeem did it. Who has like a hundred fucking fights? You know, like he has all these kickboxing <laughs> fights. How many fights does he have in MMA? Does Alistair have like? Uh, it's it, 7,000. Yeah, it's it's just ridiculous. <laughs> and you combine that with his kickboxing, it's literally like 100 fights. It's over 12, the 000. top. Ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, he's literally fought every person on the planet by now, I think. Um, and But one thing I will say, Jay, and I was thinking about this today, like, right, if, if, if Dana doesn't say that, why are the headlines? It's Cyril Gann wins every round against Jerzyna Rosenstruck in UFC main event. It nearly helps them. I don't know if he is aware of this, but mm. by him um, kind of putting that <laughs> that kind of that friction out there, I think it actually helps Gan. Oh. Because I, I don't know if he's doing it consciously. I doubt he is. But I, I feel like it's That's nearly made Cyril a bigger name now, right? Because we're not just talking about the wind. We're talking about the all victim. this context around it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's some crazy psychology there, PT. I mean, maybe, yeah. I don't know though, because I think a lot of fans buy that shit hook, line, and sinker. There's oh, they some, do. There's some remember, very remember real Dana stance. to take down within three hours or something because people went mental about it. I've never seen fans more behind Dana in my life. <laughs> Unbelievable. Tell him, Dana. Tell him. Yeah, he's Dana's got some stands out there. Hundred percent, he does. You know. Um, I don't know. I. It's a mixed bag. I, it'd be interesting if there was like, if maybe we did a study on that or something like the next time he disparages a fighter and compare that with like, we'll say like maybe a boring main event. I, I don't know how we would study that, but what does it look like for their, like their SEO results or something like that? Do they spike up after Dana's talk shit about him as opposed to one where he was like uncharacteristically mute about it, you know, be really interesting here's, to see. Here's one for you. What do you think, right? This is just a hypothetical. Mm. What would you think Dana would say if Conor McGregor went out and had the same performance Cyril Gann did against Dustin Poirier? So Conor McGregor does what Cyril Gann did to Jerzyna Rosenstruck to Dustin Poirier. What what does Dana say after that? He says, you know what? Conor's a crook. He stole from the fans. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, mean, the, the money does talk 100%. Yeah. This guy's a masterclass. Yeah. Yeah, he would say glowing you know? things. He would say, you know, look at this guy. He came back. It's not easy to do, you know. Um, he got himself in t- the title hunt again. A lot of people wouldn't have come back. You know, he, he'd be very much giving him the underdog push in that situation. That would be what he would do to justify it. So, yeah, it would be very inconsistent. You're correct about that. I think he should be. like. So, yeah, I mean, that calls into question the honesty part of it, you know. Because I was saying, yeah, like... Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say that fight was incredibly exciting. I was, though, watching no, it because it was a heavyweight fight, and I know it could have ended at any moment. I was on the edge of my seat watching that fight 
just because I know what happened in the Alistair Overeem fight. I know what's happened in any number of heavyweight fights. Even Mirko Krokop versus Frank Mir sucked for three rounds and then a knee lands and Krokop's unconscious on, you know, the, the cage floor. So it can happen anyway, and there's part of that for heavyweight fights. But I was actually really enjoying what I was seeing from Surreal Gone. Like, I was enjoying watching him essentially tool up this, you know, really, really dangerous heavyweight and make it look like they didn't belong in the cage together. I was enjoying that. So um, it's a weird thing, man. I'll never understand it. I maybe, maybe there is something to it. Maybe there is a reverse psychology to it. Do I think Dana's doing that and is conscious of it, though, if that is the case? Probably not. <laughs> I don't think so either. But I, I do think it somehow helps Khan though. I, yeah. I don't know how. I just feel as though it's it's an extra storyline. Like mm. ahead of the next fight, everyone be like, Dana wasn't happy with his last performance and blah blah blah. You know, it's it's gonna add more mm. flair to the next Cyril Khan fight. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely will. I I can think of cases where it de- decidedly hurt their careers. And I wonder if it made him question himself. One question I, I don't know if I have the balls to ask a fighter, and I've always wanted to ask him, is do fighters have imposter syndrome? Because, like, you know, I've been to tons of, you know, UFC events and stuff like that. I mean, I, I wouldn't say tons, not nearly as many as you have. But when I'm there, among guys like Ariel Wani, who have been doing this for like 10-something-odd years and, you know, has a really big name in the sport – like, I actually Never asked Ariel to move one time because he was standing in front of the camera, and I felt so bad. Like, I felt, I had, like, the biggest imposter syndrome on the planet because, like, nobody knows who the fuck I am, you know? Like, and I'm telling this guy who's got an ESPN camera next to him, like, hey, you're in my shot. <laughs> like, it feels like very uh, imposter syndrome kicks in. I wonder if fighters ever get that. And I think somebody that Dana's disparagement and, you know, criticism probably did affect was somebody like Uriah Hall. Did I say the right name? Not Uriah Hall. Uriah Hall? Ryan Hall? Uriah yeah, I think Hall. so. Uriah Hall, that's it. Because that, they kept on being like, that's Jason Stripe C moment. And it came out. I planted that's it. That's I planted it. it in his head. He was, I knew something. You did plant it in there. my head, man. You made me Sorry. question myself. I didn't, mean to, I didn't mean to throw you off today. but <laughs> So I think of somebody like that, like uh, Ryan Hall, no, Uriah Hall, that probably did get affected by the criticism because I think that, like, Uriah Hall is a really thoughtful guy. I think he second guesses himself. And I think he. You know, like with Dana to say that on top of it, which meant everyone then piled on. That's a Dana stand. It's just like, oh yeah, yeah, you you do you do choke in fights and stuff like that. I think it puts unnecessary pressure on your fights, uh, fighters. And what that can do is, you know, the pressure can make diamonds, but it can also make coal. Or you know, people just respond different to different stimuli. And in that case, I think it's a pretty good study of just like, you know, you might have like. Uh, and, you know, it's up to him at the end of the day, but you might have, like, at least made that guy second-guess himself to where he's probably not as good as he could have been. Like, I, I think that's a very real thing. I don't know. Well, I think that's that's all part of being uh, a professional fighter in the biggest league in the world. It's same as media criticism. How do you take that? Because it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. The same with any elite sport. You're going to have the eyes of the world on you. These people pay their money yep. to watch you fight. You're going to be scrutinized. So if you can't handle scrutiny, you know, that's going to, and that's going to affect you on a title run. Well, how do you think the other guys got there? How do you, do you think Conor McGregor's never been criticized in his life? He's probably the most criticized fighter in the world. You know, right. and, and there's plenty of reason why. But like, it, shouldn't I'm not trying to say it's from your, it shouldn't be coming from your promoter. 
No, no, it shouldn't. <laughs> That's <laughs> all I'm saying. Ball. It's like when your boss tells you you suck at your job, you're like, maybe I suck at my job because my boss said You tell that. me all the time, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> I just it, sent PT. you, right as we were saying that, I, I just sent you about, a message. I was about to make that joke, dude. PT oh. beat me, damn it. Got him. <laughs> um, hey, Carson, we'll get that audio worked on for you. Um, Thanks, Carson. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate you. Um. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one. And yeah, they do have to be ready. They do have to buck up, but they shouldn't be expecting it from like... I mean, there's good criticism. There's constructive criticism. But the kind that Dana tends to levy at his own fighters, I wouldn't say he's constructive at all. <laughs> like, it's just like, he's a choker. He, he goes out there. He doesn't do well. Like, that fight sucked. It's like, what 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 is Surreal Gone <laughs> supposed to take away from that fight sucked? What is he supposed to walk away with there? Like, oh, yeah, um... I guess they'll just do better next time. It's simple. Just is do better. Like, is it kind of like, uh, say, Bill Belichick when he's the, <laughs> you know, he's like coaching Tom Brady and they're in a Super Bowl and they win and it might not be that exciting, but he's like, Jesus, Tom really sucked today. They're like, you just won the Super Bowl. And he's like, hmm. <laughs> you know, Dan Marino, here. he had the best game ever 20 years ago. What's Tom doing? Ah. You know? Welcome to the Pigskin Podcast, where PT talks yes. American football. Please, <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying to make it happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's an interesting thing. It's um, yeah, there is an endearing part to it about you know Dana that I'm I'm trying to kind of hint at you know kind of what I'm saying about honesty. I do like the idea that he does speak his mind. He doesn't sugarcoat things. Like I do like that part of him. To a certain extent, you know, um, I think it goes a bit awry at times. You know what I mean? Um, that's an understatement for sure. Uh, well, look at the Hamzat situation, right? Yeah. Like, it's great. Like, it's great that he that he comments that he's he makes all these headlines for the sport. But because he speaks so often and he's always speaking about the sport, I think, you know, there is going to be negative takes. And, yeah. You know, the Hamzat one and the Cyril Gann one are examples of that. Like, you know, but that's not to say he hasn't done great things for MMA. Like, no, I don't think people realize that. Like, He's the worst. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, you're but, absolutely right. You can be exclusively great, like, at, at what you do, and there can be criticism of it, too. You know, like, you don't, it's not a totalitarian world. Like, you don't have to go, I'm all in with Dana. No matter what he does, I love it because UFC is so big right now. Mm. That, that's just not how it works. Yeah. Man, it's it's a fascinating thing, but um, yeah, let's let's move it on to some of the chat. I'm curious to get you guys' thoughts on the card, thoughts on what we just talked about, all the above, and kind of include you guys into it a bit. We do have a couple super chats to get us started off. Jaffa Cake, five dollars. Properly gotten to MMA since lockdown, have learned so much from your channel. Thank you for the videos, guys. Jaffa Cake, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. I think that's a big part of like when we started this channel. That what we wanted to do was like attract new fans and kind of be that like when i when i used to work I, I used to have a big boy job after college as they say and i remember talking about going to see tj dillashaw versus burrow two in chicago because i was living in indianapolis at the time and so me and a couple of buddy of mine were going to take a road trip my boss was just like you don't watch ufc i was like I think I do. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure I do. <laughs> He's like, that's so against type. And I was like, what do you even mean by that? Like, the idea that um, that 
I think people still in certain parts of the country, I think it depends on where you're at, certain parts of the world still see it as barbaric. We were talking about French MMA getting its first UFC headliner and that being Cyril Ghosn versus Francis Ngannou, hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, that's still new there. And I think a big part of what this channel is, is we want to attract new people that don't think that the sport is for them and kind of bring it in and realize like, no, it's it's like a legitimate you know, thing, you know, it, it, we're still all these years after the human cockfighting thing, it still persists. Like when I talked to my mom about this channel, she's like, oh, is that like WWE? And it's like, it's like fake or whatever. And I'm like, no, no, they're actually like hurting each other. And she's like, oh my God. And I swear I have this discussion with her every like month, every two weeks. Like she never, it's like she blocks it out of her mind because she can't believe that people are actually hurting each other. And uh, it's like a real thing, you know? So um, I'm glad to see comments like Joffrey Cakes here. So I really appreciate it. If you think it's bad in the US, wait till you get to London, buddy. Oh, in yeah. terms of how the people perceive the sport. We're like 10 years behind you guys. It's it's crazy. It is insane. <laughs> like I can remember like in Ireland, the first UFC event came in 2009, was it? Um, I don't know. I might be wrong there. But... There was a radio show on mm. and like it's a big radio show. It's called Joe Duffy, not the fighter. <laughs> Joe Duffy, whatever it's called. And there's this famous clip. I'm sure you can find it somewhere on the internet where a woman's talking about the fight. She's given her take on what's happened. And she's like, and there's a man punching him in the face and there's real blood everywhere, Joe. And he's like, real blood? <laughs> she's like, real blood? And you're like, wow. yeah, yeah, the guy's getting punched in the face. What the fuck do you think is going to happen? Jesus Christ. It's not like it's like we're an island full of boxers. Yeah. The, the Olympic medal we win every year is just boxing. And then you're like, because they changed the shape of the gloves, like it still does the same thing. What is going on here? Um, unbelievable. It's it's a different it's a different thing altogether over here, man. Wait till you get here. It's it's like, I mean, these pay-per-views mm. are the ones that, you know, some people might know about, but it's not every guy in the streets going to know those first three title fights. True. You know, walking around Dublin today. True. Unless Connor's in it. Then they'll know everything about the fights <laughs> and they won't stop talking. And you're like, all right, man, I get it. I get it. <laughs> hey, man. Yeah, I definitely can't take that for granted. It definitely is way more mainstream in the U.S. than it is there. I do still see it as a largely West Coast and East Coast sport, for sure. Like, it's in the bigger metropolitan areas way more than it is, like, the rural areas. Even though it did survive in, like, places like Dothan, Alabama. Um, but it was still very fringe, you know what I mean? Like, even, like, running this channel, like, there are only a few people that I can really you know, like talk to you about fighting even now, you know what I mean? It's not I'm like here all the time, man. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> the people that live in the town is what I mean to say. Uh, plenty of people online. Uh, Pete's just another guy online. Uh, no, like it, it is interesting how that works though. You know, it's like for it to feel less popular. It is on an international scale on a national scale, but not necessarily reflected where you live. Like it is pretty interesting. But, um, yeah, moving on to the next one. Um, speaking of the UK, this is from Lewis Wainwright, $5. Hi, hi guys. I'm a fan from the UK. What do you guys think of Lerone Murphy and his UFC fight in January? And do you believe he could be a future champ? Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely considered him for the uh, prospects list that I put together. And he, he was actually very hard for me to eliminate just because there is so much good potential in him. What do you think about him, Pete? Do you have any thoughts on Lerone Murphy? 
Yeah, like Lerone has been absolutely unbelievable since he got to the UFC. And the thing about him that's unique as opposed to the other fighters that usually come from this region is he kind of came out of nowhere before signing with the UFC. It's not like this is a guy that was a campaigner with Cage Warriors or anything like that. He was uh, with Celtic Gladiator, he was with um, FCC, and then he got the call up as an unbeaten fighter. And Really, when when he went into his debut, we were kind of going like, oh, how's this going to go? But Zuboira took hook off. It's not an easy mm. fight. And he went in there and he put on an unbelievable performance. He comes away with a draw, but that was in Abu Dhabi. That's where yeah. took hook off is held up like a god there. All of Habib's crew were. Mm. And he went in there and got a draw against him. And you remember Zuboira had so much controversy before this fight. He had been uh, banned by the UFC, then left back in. So there was a lot riding on it. And then this kid from the UK that even the UK scene don't really know a whole lot about goes in and has a stunning performance it's unbelievable he has a fantastic story as well he was shot in the face oh. a few years before he got into mma and somehow gets back here and and then to go on and do what he's done since like ricardo ramos douglas and Drage, mm. he's looked brilliant and and i feel like they're doing very well with matching him at the moment. They're not rushing him anywhere. They saw his level against Zubaira, and they've just given him steady increases. Nothing too wild like we saw with Shamoyev, which I think is craziness yeah. when you have a prospect <laughs> on your hands. So I'm really, really happy to see what they've done with him. And I think he's really he's really shown us that he's so much more than anyone could have imagined. So, yeah, I'm really, really hyped for him. And Manchester, stand up. What, what a great fighter. Absolutely. Yeah, great take there. Um, young boss 499 I agree that fans should enjoy top level talent as we get it but some main events aren't worth these six plus hours out of the day yeah I'm not That's saying fair. I'm not saying all of them are like what I'm saying is we did see high level MMA is what I am saying we absolutely got that whether or not it was you know the most entertaining for the fans is the question um like yeah I I very heavily criticized what was it jessica i versus calvillo is the main event over the summer i was like what the fuck are we doing you know like there are definitely happened, yeah. bad main events they're definitely like that aren't showcasing the highest level and don't really belong in that slot so um yeah i'm not saying all main events are great because they're definitely not um but i'm saying in this case surreal gone showed us something special i thought whether it was the most entertaining or not i I frankly find a bit irrelevant. I really do. Um, what it's about is what he actually showed as a martial artist. And I think he showed that he's in, in, incredibly high level and that he's a real threat to everyone at the top. Um, yeah. It's different than other uh, other sports. Like, say, like, there's not, there's not specific fandom, like, for athletes i think people mm. follow the sport right yeah so say I, I have friends who support liverpool or manchester united in the premier league and if they win one nil they're delighted they're like yeah we won it, it wasn't that exciting but they got the three points because they feel so attached to that team it doesn't matter what it like you know what way it came once they get the three points whereas mma they're consuming it as the spectacle rather than supporting the athlete and i think that's why people sit down and they're like go out there and you know bludgeon a man half to death for my entertainment <laughs> that's what i want to see today you know we'll see like that that's what i do feel like the different uh just the different consumption of the sport is compared to other sports you know yeah and even you know like uh so you're looking at frank mir versus crow cop i still look at that like it was a really terrible main event and it was just as bad as the fans criticize it. I'm one of the people to criticize it as being that bad, even though there was a knockout. What we saw was a bizarre strategy of those two clinching up against the cage and just kind of playing a really strange fight. 
Um, we saw that with Holly Holm versus Rocky Pennington in the co-main event of Connor versus Cerrone last year. Um, you see it happen all the time where fights aren't necessarily that exciting. Um, but when you're seeing it, when you're actually seeing high-level MMA, I think that's where the difference needs to be made, where it's not a bizarre strategy, something weird isn't happening in the fight. Um, and by the way, I do think it should be noted that I think every single one of those things that Rosenstrup protested as being a foul wasn't a foul. Like each one of those kicks that he was saying were groin kicks, I think those were to the stomachs. I mean, there was some weirdness that went on in that fight for sure. But was it a high-level display of mixed martial arts? and showed us real potential and uh, somebody that I think is already proving that he's a title like challenger. I think he's put himself into that discussion. Yes, those questions were answered. And that's what I walk away from it. So yeah, you can be bored with a fight and and you could be bored with that fight, but you can't not call it high level MMA. You can't say that we're not seeing the highest level of sport because we're seeing somebody who's literally entitled contention as a result of a performance like that that was a complete shutout from beginning to end he was never not winning in that fight never not in control of that fight and uh, i think that's the difference there are boring main events that just are bizarre strange they're not interesting they don't showcase anything this one showcased everything whether or not it was entertaining is irrelevant because of that because it answers the biggest question that the ufc has tried to answer from day one and that's who's the best and it put uh, some very meaningful steps as to relating who the next guy might be. Absolutely did. It's, um, I just think people need to pick their moments for criticism because if you're calling bullshit on that, like, you know, yeah, okay, it, it wasn't the most entertaining thing in the world, but we did, as as uh, Jay said, we did gain something from it. Mm. Like, uh, I, I feel like, you know, you you can get criticized for your performances as a fighter, all the time really like there's just this wild sect of online mma fandom like i can remember i was at uh the habib v poirier fight and online i, I put up something like what a what a terrific performance from habib and people like to me oh yeah so boring though it's better when mcgregor was champ because he ko'd guys and blah 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 and you're like mate that is such a bullshit take yeah you know it's just such nonsense yeah i mean it's like do you want to know who the best fighter on the planet is? Or do you want to know who's going <laughs> to, I don't know, make you want to guzzle another beer? I don't know. Online you can watch if you just want to see someone getting knocked out, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you could watch literally any fight. Like, what? So here's here's the question, you know. Here's the ultimate question. There are fights happening almost every weekend all around the world. Why aren't we watching those? Why are we watching the UFC? Yeah. Because of the better well, we production yeah. value? Like, I, I I think that's part of it. I think presentation helps, but we're watching it because it's the top level of the sport. That's why we're watching it. We could we could watch any one of these things. You know, why are all these promotions struggling to get attention? Because there is this criticism that they don't have the best in the world. And it's true for most of them. Because by, by you know, just natural, that the way everything works, by the way things naturally work, there can only be a few top promotions out there. And so they're not viewed as much on these lower scales. The reason why you don't watch it, the best fight probably has not occurred. Just probability, statistic-wise, not in the UFC. Like, you, if you throw out just how many fights have happened outside of the UFC and other promotions, chances are the best, like, knockout, bloody, back-and-forth 
There's probably something that beats Robbie Lawler versus Rory McDonald. There's probably something that beats like all of that and probably ended with a double knockout too after five rounds. We just never saw it. And the reason you don't care is because it's not the highest level of the sport. It's as simple as that. It's very, very simple. You could watch bum fights. You could pit fights with your friends across the street. I mean, <laughs> you could do whatever do you want. Do all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> with a bunch of kids. That's why they call them pedo peep. Um, <laughs> I, so uh, it's an interesting thing, you know, like uh, that's that's really what it answers at the end of the day. And I think people lose sight of that. They're like, oh, yeah, I didn't see a knockout bloody back and forth drag out but i do think that there is this part though like there i almost feel like that's an uneducated fan that's coming out and saying that because they're not weighing the risks they're not putting themselves in the fighter shoes whatsoever if you're putting yourself in the fighter shoes a lot of that goes away pretty quickly because you're like oh yeah i can try to like they're not a video game they're not a fictional tv show they're actually in their fighting like you do realize that right and so if you can put yourself in their shoes, you don't look at it that way. <laughs> you don't all of a sudden think like, oh, why isn't he just throwing hooks like Nganu? Well, because not everybody can get away with that. Not everyone can just go in wildly and land a hook if one just happens to land and knock you out. That's the thing that's so scary about Nganu and the thing that's so interesting about him is that he can do it at a high level. It's like the Deontay Wilder of you know MMA in, in that extent. you know. Um, so yeah. Like I get, I get that certain things are more entertaining, but I think we have to remember what makes MMA at the highest level so much more entertaining than at the lower levels and why we watch it above the lower levels. And that's it. So there you go. Carson in $1.99. Hamza is dodging Paul Felder. Audio is out, by the way. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> hey, man, you haven't said that yet. Um, no, I appreciate the support. Thanks, man. And Hamza is totally dodging Paul Felder. Totally agree. Um, Aaron Lowey, hey guys, started watching uh, UFC in your channel religiously last year after I watched Poirier versus Hookter, and I was hooked. I've learned a lot from y'all. Appreciate you, Aaron Lowey. Where are you from? Or Lowey is what it is. I said Lowey. Where are you from, my man? Um, oh, by the way, Anthony Walker, one of our writers, Walkout Network, if you've trained or cornered a fighter, it'll make you appreciate what the athletes go through. The uninitiated expose themselves all of the time in this sport. Yeah, really good take. Yeah, so um, Anthony's told me about this. He's actually had an Anderson Silva-like leg break. We were talking about this and writing one of our scripts a long time ago. Um, so he's actually spent quite a lot of time around fighters and actually competing himself. But he had a disastrous leg break. And he's like, all right, maybe <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll kind of pull back from this. Um, so, yeah, he's definitely experienced it with a lot of a lot of different people, including himself, being in there. It's, it's crazy to think about. Um, Shadow Bisbing. <laughs> it's literally his profile picture is Bisbing's PNG taken off the UFC website, and it's just blacked out. And Shadow <laughs> Bisbing is his username. 499. Main event going to be a dud. Oh, wow. Okay. Both guys are going to wait to counter the other. Adesanya is going to win by five rounds of leg kicks. So he's going to see it going the yellow Romero way. What do you think? Well, that fight, like, I mean, if you're going in there and you're competing at a higher weight class for the first time and you know you're going to be 10 pounds lower than the guy when you're stepping on the scales, which means Jan Blachowicz is going to put on about 10, 15 pounds, 
it's the clever way to fight the guy is to try and pick him off from the outside when you have the speed advantage. Hmm. Um, it's up to Jan then to press forward and try to stop that. So I don't think it's I don't think it, it's going to be boring, to be honest. I feel like Jan's going to try and march him down while Izzy moves from the outside. Or if they get into an exchange, try to find one of those beautiful... Ooh. With his body swinging hooks that he yeah. that he landed against Robert Whittaker. like I I think it's this is one of those fights like that's going to be very compelling even if it's tentative because you know that this is a whole new world for Izzy in terms of MMA. Yes, he's fought uh, very in at heavyweight I believe um, previously, but never against the champion of the UFC like a light heavyweight. There, I I, I think it's. It's really, really compelling, man. It's really compelling. And like, if you watch the dom, if you watch any of Jan Blachowicz's fights, don't try and tell me that guy is boring or he's trying to, you know, pick his shots. Yeah, he throws the kitchen sink at lads. So, I think it's gonna deliver. I mean, even if it's a decision, I think it will deliver. Like, I, I don't need a knockout or someone to get Shadow Realm for me to enjoy it. To be honest, dude, like, he's just insane. Like. Jan, what he's done, his glow up, you know, throughout his career, you know, kind of midway point, having a bunch of losses out there, you know, like Tiago um, having a win over him, who's ironically fighting in the first, you know, Tiago Santos is fighting in the first fight on the main card tonight. So it's, it's interesting to see how their careers have kind of gone opposite direction since then. But, um, yeah, this is just going to be one of those fights, man, where I think Jan is really going to take it to him. I think it's going to be a more technical version of what Paulo wanted to do. I think he's really going to bring the fight to him. I mean, it's just like, so we saw that in the Reyes fight, a lot of tentativeness. Um, Jan broke straight through that. Like, we saw that in the first round. If you go back and you watch that fight, the first round starts off really, really slow. And it was mainly because Reyes actually he went into that fight with the right mindset. He really respected Jan's power. He understood what he was up against power-wise. And he tried to stay on the outside and be, you know, kind of moving back quite a bit and staying staying away from that left hand. And uh, he hit him with a body kick, you know, like that was the first thing that started it off. And he just started finding a home uh, for, it seemed like everything once he really started getting it going. And I think that Jan will do something similar. He'll try to do something similar. I think his game plan will be something similar here. I think we'll see him really go for it. It's basically what Paulo Costa wanted to do. It's what Robert Whitaker wanted to do. I think that he's going to be the bigger man. I mean, like, this is kind of like Yoel, so I do understand the the comparison that Shadow Biz is being made here. He's going to have to stay away from Jan. It's going to be, like, really, really dangerous every time Jan gets close to him. Like, it's going to be a fascinating fight. Like, I, I'm really, really excited about it. I'm so pumped for this fight. <laughs> like, but the thing is, right, like, I can already see it. If Jan does win this, people are going to be like, oh, Izzy isn't that good, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, no, he is. He's really, really good. He's brilliant. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a guy that's made me more excited about the sport than anyone in the last few years. Mm. He is amazing. He's a lightning rod. Everybody, he's bringing so many people to the sport. Um currently like as an active fighter probably more than anyone i think he has more momentum than conor mcgregor at the moment in terms of just being that that guy that is is bringing new eyes to the sport but i can already see it like like this guy is is doing something crazy right he mm. could stay at 185 he's proven he's top dog at 185 he just put on a master class performance against a guy that everyone thought was the brazilian bulldozer just before he fought izzy yeah so he's completely demystified paulo costa yeah nobody else could do it until that point 
and then he might go up a weight class, a crazy move, um, and lose to Jan, and everyone will be like, it's over. It won't be over, man. It's not going to be over. So um, I think Jan is so capable. He's been the underdog so many times, but he's still the champ. Don't forget it. Mm. He is the champion of that weight class. Like, this is not any other fight for Israel Adesanya. It's, yeah. it's the toughest fight of his life, as his coach told me. Yeah, and here's the thing, too. You know, like, Izzy very well could be the better fighter in a lot of aspects. You know what I mean? Like, but he could still lose. Absolutely. Like, I think when you look at the Rose Nami Yunus and Draj fight, the first one especially, like, Andrade was getting tuned up in that fight. She just had the equalizer. And you could say that, you know, I mentioned Deontay Wilder. He's had a lot of fights where he just shut the lights out on somebody. Um, even the you know the draw with Tyson, you know, like that. And before uh, that against Ortiz, well, he he was chasing yeah, the Ortiz. whole fight and then fine. Yeah, he just landed yeah. one shot. He was the better fighter was really Ortiz. It really was, and the same with Rose versus Andrade in that first fight. And I do think the second fight made it very interesting because when it got to the third round, Rose actually started losing. But. Um, Sometimes it's just there's just a power equalizer that just says, all right, you might have the better technique, you might have the better skill, and it might just be over. So I think that people should take that into account. If Izzy just gets KO'd, like, yeah, that's Yon. That's just how good Yon is. You know, like, it doesn't mean that Izzy sucks. <laughs> it means that this he's a legacy that kind fight. of power. Yeah. You know what I mean? This oh, is huge. a guy that's trying to be more than any other fighter. Like that's, that's where we're going here with Israel's story. Mm. When you do these kind of things, you're trying to separate yourself from all the other fighters. Yeah. That's what usually becoming a double champion is. You have to admire that. Like in the same respect that you say, Oh, what a boring main event. This guy is risking everything. Mm -hmm. He's undefeated. He's the champion. What? Like, there's no other reason to move up apart from he wants to be great. Yeah. He wants to be great. For you guys, the people who consume the sport, and you better appreciate that. Win or lose, that deserves a lot of respect. Yeah. There's very few fighters that, like, unless they're just, like, the shittiest human being on the planet, like, it's really hard for me not to respect them. And even then, I still separate that. Like, you know, like, I can't stand Mike Perry, but I still respect that he gets in the cage, you know? Like, I still respect that he puts it on the line in there. And so we, you'll hear me criticize him as a person, but you won't hear me criticize like the fact that he gets in there and does that. Same with Colby Covington. I'm not a huge fan of Colby Covington's antics and the, the person that he is. Um, even if it is just a persona, I'm still not a huge fan of him because of that. That's the persona he came up with. But what he does in the cage, I have the utmost respect for. You know, um, Having his jaw broken and going to that fourth round and arguably winning it in my scorecards, I thought he won the fourth round against Usman. So, like, there, I think there is a different level of respect. And on that note, I, you know, I really got annoyed, you know, with all the memes that came out after Connor. I have just as many reasons to dislike Connor as everybody else out there, but you got to respect what they're doing in the cage. You just do, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, you, you've mentioned Mike Perry there. Like, when you mentioned Mike Perry, you got to mention the fact that his missus just happens to be a mastermind when it comes to MMA. And a lot of his victories are because <laughs> she's a great person in the corner. All right? I don't want a bad word said about that woman again. Even though you didn't say a bad word. But, I mean, she deserves a lot of the credit. Oh, man. What a, what a genius. I, I do. I go, at the moment, the best coaches in the world, Eugene Berman, then Fabia. Then it's got to be Perry's missus. Yeah, Joshua Fabia um, and, and uh, yeah, his, his girlfriend. It's that's pretty high level. You got a great point there. What a mind. 
Anyhow, uh, really great stuff there. I did see a question from Rob Palin here. Let me see if I can find oh, that one. Darts, there he is. He? Yeah. Robbie Knuckles. <laughs> um, Rob Palin, thanks for having me on last week, lads. Question, if Dominic Cruz wins and looks good, do you think the UFC will let him jump the queue at Bantamweight? If not, how about Cruz Dillashaw 2 for TJ's return? Ooh, I like that. If he can meet Casey Kenny. I do like that. Casey Kenny is one of the biggest prospects, like one of the biggest prospects in the whole sport. Really ruined himself with those Megan Anderson comments. God love him. Oh, really yeah. ruined himself. Everybody was really behind that guy, and then he just <sighs> went out with that, and you're like, oh, mate. And it wasn't even – like he didn't direct the conversation that way. It was the people on the podcast with him, but you're just like, oh, mate. If you overshadow Sean O'Malley's heroin comments, wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's just like, yeah, they're pussies, dude. I can take heroin. It's like the people that are like, oh, yeah, I drive drunk at night uh, and don't wreck because it affects other men and not me. Like, that's essentially it's like, come on, bro. What are you saying? <laughs> um, I, yeah, Rob, I think you have a great point there. Um, I love that. Yeah, I, I really like that. I do think that there is a huge potential they would let them jump the queue. I absolutely do think that is a huge potential. Um, we saw that starting to happen with uh, Edgar as he moved down and started to get favorable matchups there because he is a big name and they want to book a big marquee fight. Um, even though I would argue, you know, it wasn't that much more. I I don't know. There's some loyalty that I think is also there. It's not always about money. I think loyalty is a big part of it. Edgar's always been a company man. And I think Cruz has been a pretty damn good company man as well. Uh, he's been a really good analyst. So I think that factors into it. Um, a little bit more than maybe we consider. Um, but yeah, I like the Dillashaw fight way more than that. To be honest, um, I, I look, I, I think it'd be a great fight. I don't disagree with Rob there in any, in any way, shape or form. But I do feel as though the UFC are aware that this new kind of this, all the new bantamweights at the top of the division haven't been put over yet. Mm. So you got the matchups like, Sandhagen v. Frankie Edgar. You had yeah. Jan v. Faber, then Jan v. Aldo. I think you need to use the likes of Dominic Cruz, TJ Dillashaw to put the Sandhagens, the Fonts, the, the Jans, all of these guys. You need to use them to put them over. Dillashaw, Cruz, these are names synonymous with the sport. When you put them in there with these new guys and, and the new guys win, that's good business from the UFC. That's showing the world that, look, this guy took on this guy you know. This guy you know is really good. This new guy beat him. So I think that's how you got to use them to really bleed in that new division and make bona fide contenders to the point where it's like, you know, Aljo, Jan, when Henry vacated the title, that was the fight everybody wanted to see. <laughs> We're finally getting it, thank God. But so you're that saying was why they Yair versus BJ Penn was great matchmaking by the UFC. Perfect. <laughs> that, but I mean, that's no, what comes the, to the mind whole for me. Is, like, I mean, TJ and and Dominic Cruz are not in BJ Penn territory. <laughs> let's be honest; like, that is incredibly disrespectful. <laughs> they're not. They're not. There clearly is a line, though. You know what I mean? Like where it's like, oh, you're just, oh man, you're sacrificing the old to the young in such a brutal way. But, I mean, if Cruz is beating Casey Kenny, it means he's still a force at bantamweight. True, true. Dillashaw hasn't lost a fight at bantamweight. He just got absolutely destroyed as a flyweight. Like, I mean, yeah. and by drug tests. <laughs> he didn't lose that fight, dude. 
he didn't lose that against fight. EPO. He certainly did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm still with him on that one. It's bad stoppage. Um, no, it's ridiculous. But yeah, you do bring a, a a good point. That is the other side to it. You know, um, stars do make new stars. There is absolutely the rub. I mean. You know, we can go back to Conor McGregor with Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz was already a cult phenomenon in the MMA fan base, but he became a superstar after that. A real, like, transcendent figure in the sport after that. And we saw that with Habib, too, you know. Um, You see that with big stars, it does rub off. Um, Cain Velasquez, I mean, I think he'll always be remembered as one of the best heavyweights, in part because of the way he just completely destroyed Brock Lesnar. At the height of Brock Lesnar mania, because he was literally, you know, the heavyweight champion back then. He had a full beard then too, you know. He was he was, he was in full force. I I don't know. I think it is pretty interesting. You do bring up a good point, so that is a good counter counter argument to bring up. Young boss Jason, I've never agreed with anything more than your take on fans at events. UFC two thirty nine was my first, and the booze made me extremely upset. Oh, dude, yeah. Start fighting them. Dude, the fans, the fans there were really, really bad. Really, fans like that go to Vegas. You get some of the most dumbass, like trashy fans on the goddamn planet. I swear to God, like the people behind me, we were watching uh, Julia Vila. I can't remember who she was fighting against, but it was literally just like a row of like dudes that clearly don't ever get out of the fucking house. Went to Vegas, probably live in the middle of nowhere. I live in the middle of nowhere, so I kind of. I guess I can relate to half an extent there, but like they were literally shouting out like stuff like I could beat both these bitches up and shit like this. And like shouting out just really like ridiculously just dumb stuff. It wasn't like you can be dumb and funny. Like one of my favorite movies is fucking dumb and dumber. God damn it. Like I love dumb humor. I really love dumb humor, but some of these fans can be really bad. And uh, yeah, like being at two thirty nine, that was where I like, literally saw people doing stuff like that and it can be extremely irritating so i understand where you're coming from 100 percent um yeah fans can be quite unreasonable at times i think a lot of people they just go to vegas and they're like let's go to the ufc card i've never seen a fight before let's just buy a ticket you know i think that's a lot of people 100 percent um alan granowski think jan wrestles i was blown away how jan dominated Krylov. that's a really good point to bring up uh, on the ground and hearing Jan might have a 25 to 30 pound advantage makes me think he could. Great question. What do you think about that? You think Jan will try to wrestle Izzy? I don't know. Look, I mean, I think Izzy's takedown defense is very underrated. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of people think that it's, oh, why didn't he take him down? Because he can't. That's that's why. And, and the problem for Jan is being the bigger guy, if you are unsuccessful on the takedowns, you're really sapping energy out of your system, you know? Especially when you're in the go- in there with a guy who's smaller, who's probably used to fighting faster dudes. Mm. I, I think it's a risk-reward situation. I think it, if he fails on a takedown early, you probably won't see him go for one for a couple of rounds unless he gets hurt. Um, but I, I honestly believe that Jan, Jan is confident in his hands here. Like, I mean, Jan yeah. is going to be confident in his striking. He has so much power and he's so much bigger. Like, he's used yeah. to putting away guys that are way bigger than Izzy. Like, having a good chin is not a skill set. You know, it's just <laughs> you don't. So if he's putting away these bigger dudes, he's going to be confident he can do it against Izzy. And that's what makes it fantastic. It's a great skill set, you know, just training that chin all day long. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's like the brutal thing, you know. Like, I was, I was just... Um, 
you know, there's like a, a, a section of Reddit that I really like. It's called shower thoughts. And one of the shower thoughts I had, and it's not a new thought. I've definitely heard other people bring it out, but you know, people talk about performance enhancing drugs all the time and stuff like that and how it makes an unlevel playing field. But like, it's really never a level playing field from beginning. Some people can just take a fucking shot. You know, it's like Mark Hunt's ability to take a shot. Roy Nelson's ability to take a shot. The Diaz brothers ability to take a shot. Some people can just take one on the chin and some people just can't. And to Izzy's credit, the only time he's ever been knocked out was by Alex Pereira and kickboxing. And that dude just knocks out everybody with his left hand. But that's another part of it. Some people just have unreal KO power, you know? And uh, John is proving that he is one of those people, man. If he lands that left hook, that Polish power on your chin, chances are um if you can take one of them you're not going to take two of them (laughs) and you're not just going down you're out cold like you are done you're finished you don't know where you're at you know what the most mind-blowing thing for me about this fight is and i read it in shaheen al shadi's article for the athletic which is stunning if any of you guys uh, have the subscription you should definitely check it out do you know where this turnaround came from as far as jan Mm. blahovich is concerned interesting he read a tony robbins book no and i'm so i rang shaheen about this this was so crazy to me that i rang him about it afterwards and i was like mate this is the greatest advertisement for a tony robbins book i've ever heard and he goes when i was interviewing yan i thought he was taking the piss out of me so they didn't have much time and Shaheen's trying to interview him for this feature that ranges from his childhood in communist poland right up to now and I'm like, how did you get this Tony Robbins thing? And he's like, he said it to me. And I was like, seriously, man, we don't have much time here. Can we, uh, you know, stop fooling around? But then he interviewed all the members of the team and they were like, oh, no, yeah, it was Tony Robbins. Isn't that absolutely crazy? It's like um, unlocking your inner warrior or something it's called. But that to me is insane. Because like, I remember there was a story about McGregor and all of his success being related to the secret. And yeah. Um, the, the law of attraction. And I can remember he said to Connor once, I was like, do you really read that book? And he's like, no, there was some uh, there was some Netflix documentary on about it. And I watched about 10 <laughs> minutes of it. And I said, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> and then I'm reading whole features about how Connor's whole life is is dictated by the law of attraction and all this stuff. And it's like, man, well, insane. In the insane. RT, it's um, actually true, though, for Jan Blahovich. Well, the RT sport documentary that came out with Connor a long time ago, I remember he was reading passages from... I assumed it was the Well, they secret. gave it to him. If they've set it up like that, oh, that's what they're going to do. You know well, fair I mean? enough. We need to fair enough. It just his seemed like... was mad into It seemed like he was he like thumbing to his it. sister about it. Oh, really? Yeah, so his sister, Aaron, loved this book, and she was telling him all about it. Oh. And then he eventually saw a pop-up on Netflix, and, he, <laughs> and I think he watched it to have ammunition to take the piss out of her. Like, oh, but he ended funny. up going like, oh, I'm going to try some of this. And, you know... His whole thing is the secret. Nothing to do with the crazy amount of training he does or anything like that. Just read the book and you too can be a double champion in the UFC. I mean, well, so, you know, you know, relating this back to Jan, um, I think it was Dan Hardy that was saying this during Open Mat. Um, like one, one of their recent ones for, you know, a couple of events back. I don't, I don't remember what it was, but they were saying that Jan... They basically knew he was going to win the fight against Reyes. Just by the way he was talking throughout the week, you could just tell that the confidence was there. And it does show, you know, like, I'm not a big fan of motivational speakers. I'm just not. 
I just think there's so much BS in there. Like, I, I don't know. Like, so when I hear, you know, somebody like Banana Hands, what's his name? Tony Robbins. That's a Shallow Howe reference, by the way. Um, when I hear somebody like Tony Robbins being the inspiration, I'm like, oh, man. Because I, I just can't stand it. I'm not a Gary Vaynerchuk fan. You, I don't well, care who I piss off you, by saying that. I'm just not. Like, motivational speakers, I think there's just a lot of fluff in it. I think there's just a lot of bullshit in there. It's like, there's realities to shit, and then there's what you believe. And what you believe does help you. Ignorance is bliss. I mean, there is some truth to that. Um, but, like, you don't get to change the world in the laws of fucking nature just because you believe it so. But you might get away with some blind ignorance. You've never heard never in my life. Like I've never I've never read one. Like I, I see people all the time like putting up pictures of like how to do this and blah blah blah. And I'm like, why would you waste your time? Just fucking go and do it. Like, <laughs> I, mean, know what I mean, like if it's like how to be whatever, yeah, just go and, and do it. You know what I mean? What the what's that book gonna tell you? I mean it's- unless it's like uh Adobe Premiere for dummies, then I could really probably do it. <laughs> I mean, they're they're really good self help things out there. I'm not saying they don't exist for sure, but I just do think that there's a level of just like salesmanship that that is involved in a lot of that stuff. That's just like I'm so, I'm so motivated by like hard facts, not like ethereal frou frou stuff. Like I want to like maybe it's because you know my my history of growing up and how we're like overtly like i grew up so for people who don't know this i grew up in like a homeschooled fundamentalist christian like household and i've got nothing against so christianity that's totally fine you know lawton over here is a loser um no uh <laughs> jesus <laughs> well that took a turn yeah that took a turn <laughs> just over here reading the comments and damn i, I just could tell you're falling asleep over there so i just included you real quick oh, my back's hurting so i'm leaning no, so I, I have nothing against that stuff, and I don't mean to get into that too much, but I've seen what happens when people take beliefs too far that aren't rooted really in reality. I mean, they're like watching like Dr. James Dobson talk about how like the apocalypse was for sure going to happen in the year 2000. Like they were convinced, like they were like all about that shit, and it would scare that shit out of me as a kid. And so, yeah, I'm getting into really deep stuff here, but like. The point is, it's like, there's just something about that, that like my bullshit detector just goes off when I hear like somebody talking about like ethereal, like supernatural forces affecting your ability, especially in like things like competition. It's like, you don't think they're praying to buddy. Like you think it's just you. Like, why would God pick you over that other person who's also praying for the same thing? Like, why does God care about your silly competition? I understand that's good for your life, but he's probably got more serious things to deal with, like famine and poverty, not your shit. You know, like you're talking about millionaires here, you know, people that are really, really well off at the championship level a lot of these times. You know, not always, you know, Jan wasn't a millionaire when he was going through that, but he is now, I guarantee you that as a champion, or at least he will be after this fight. Um, I don't know. So it's, uh, that is shocking to hear. So Sean Alshadi wrote about how he basically fell in love with the secret. And that was the big change. What was the fight? What was that around? Oh, Tony Robbins. Oh, Tony Robbins. The secret was Connor, Tony Robbins. Well, Tony Robbins is also Connor. I actually listened to the interview that they did together. And I did watch one of Tony Robbins, like Netflix specials, which was interesting. But, uh, inner warrior, the documentary, I was gone. I was like, no, can't. Sorry. I want to understand it. Like, so for me, there's like a human interest element. It's like, all right, what is going on? Like, is there, is there integrity behind this? Maybe there is. And maybe I'm just too like, you know, like callous and I got my walls up, you know, I want to give it a shot. 
I'm a very big fan of like steeping myself into opinions I disagree with because I used to be that fundamentalist like side of things and I had to change over from it. You know what I mean? I wouldn't, I would still be believing that stuff if I didn't. So part of me has to embrace that to a certain extent, but yeah, I'm just getting way into it now. I'm just losing the, the whole point. What are we even talking about? Wait, is this an MMA on point podcast? What is this? Are we talk about MMA here. Uh, Angel Martinez, did you ask God to give you Lego hair, Jason? Yes, I did. <laughs> My dad was Your bald by like age Jason. of 28. So I was like, God, give me great hair. It's man. It's starting to, it's starting to thin out. Can you tell? I'll send you me misses over to give you a shot if you want. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. Have her drive over here. Um, <laughs> take a drive. Anyhow, let's see what um, the, well, actually we did have one more from Carson in. Are you watching the career? Clarissa Shields fight Friday. I'm honestly, oh, shit. Is that I didn't even know what was going on. I, I take it. It's not her MMA debut because PFL hasn't started up yet. Um, I am very much a casual fan of boxing, but who's she up against? If anybody in the chat can enlighten me on that. It is a shame that she does have to come over to MMA to get some attention though. You know, she's clearly one of the best talents in the entire sport. And uh, immediately she gets that attention. And May, like, fans are hyped about her coming over. People are like, yeah, let's do Kayla Harrison. It's like, eh, let's let her get some experience first. You know, like, if anything, <laughs> the hype, we have to, like, slow down in MMA. I don't know what it is with boxing to where, like, they just can't get behind. Like, Ollie Frazier, their daughters fought. They, they were calling it uh, Ollie Frazier 4. <laughs> like, they were literally yeah. billing it as that. And it barely sold any pay-per-views. And it was only $20 back in the day. Like, it sold, like, half of what Ronda Rousey did in her debut, you know, UFC thing. Didn't have all the history of fair. Ollie Frazier. Pretty crazy. To be fair, um, Katie Taylor is, like, one of the biggest sporting icons in this country. Really? You know? Over a million people that watched her last fight. You know, oh, she's, respect. she's, like, the pride of Ireland. The same way Connor would have been in 2015, 2016. She is, like, the, the shining light of what it is to be a sports person in this country. Wow yeah it's, it's very impressive like all the way through her olympic run her amateur career like she kind of broke boundaries for the sport that even the the, the mailboxers couldn't mm. you know she became such a sensation and she's not a she's not a very pr savvy person she openly admits <laughs> to hating doing interviews and stuff like that yeah but she's just a brilliant fighter she's just absolutely brilliant and an utter professional mm. you'll never hear her name in the headlines for the wrong reasons just a complete pro and, and a real icon for for everyone for all young people getting into sport you know she's mm. just a, a credit to us all so i think that's an anomaly though i don't i'm not trying to say like oh jason you don't know blah blah blah. but i think the problem is um in the same way as it would have been in early in mma there's just not enough commodities there for the boxing promoters to push you know you've got katie yeah you've got clarissa they're they're miles apart in weight you can't match them up I just think it's hard for them to make money because it's hard to get people compelled by who they're fighting because it's like, can someone <laughs> knock Clarissa Shields off? No. Let's you know? stick with this analogy. How many miles does Clarissa Shields weigh? <laughs> what? I was what just going to You said they're miles apart in terms of weight, uh, which made sense, <laughs> but I just got stuck behind like the units getting mixed up. And I was like, well, how many miles does she weigh? Um, that's a really dumb question. Um, you still you still use miles, so you can't criticize anyone's units, right? You can't criticize shit. No, miles, the UK uses don't miles. Fuck yourself. Kilometers all day long, baby. Do kilometers, you, baby. Wait, do, Woo! Do you? Let's go kilometers. <laughs> 
but they're shorter and they're more inferior. Do you not use miles? Like you don't go by miles no, per hour in your car? It's ridiculous. The UK does now. Don't want to be an American idiot. That's what we say when people say miles. I swear I like Green Day until that album came out. <laughs> Rogan B says Jason Blaze. I came back. I <laughs> just you wish know? they never came back. Yeah, like that album just ruined it for me. Uh, yeah, it did for me too. I, like, dude, I, I used to play in punk bands, but like I, I couldn't stay in that riff just being so repetitive. Da 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 like I just can't I, I can't they do it. Into, like, dolls of punk. You know what I mean? Like it was like <laughs> this is ridiculous. Um yeah, check in next week where we talk uh, more philosophy and music. Um <laughs> Do you think part of the Kaylee, it's Katie Taylor, Kaylee Taylor, Katie Taylor, do you think part of that is Ireland is a relatively small country and when an athlete does emerge as world class, the country really has pride in that because <laughs> it's kind of like an underdog story, right? It's like there's only four million of us here. Listen, mate. Oh, was that right? a, we was have that boxers. We we smoke America. You had to get you had to get our coach off us to compete at the Olympics with us, right? Oh, shit. You had to go and steal our coach, bring him over there, and he coached Clarissa Shields to Olympic gold, all that stuff. Oh. So don't come at me. We we win boxing all the time. No one can touch us there. So we have so all Katie these Taylor. great champions. Mick Conlon, uh, uh, world champion. So Katie Taylor is just different. <laughs> She's just different gravy, baby. We have we're full of world class athletes. This is the country that made Conor McGregor for Christ's sake, the greatest fighter who's ever lived <laughs> in history. All right, fair enough. Um, the greatest fighter ever. You absolutely got that. All he has to do is make sure his foot's not a balloon from that next fight and uh, check leg kicks. So and ban leg kicks of any kind. Yeah, ban the calf. How is it Europeans are still spelling Czech C H E Q U E? Come on, let's change that around. Americans <laughs> already changed it to the phonetic spelling. Let's do. Let's get the rest of the world behind us. Anyhow, I get so confused with that. The the Czech and Czech, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's very bizarre to me as well. Um, anyhow, who cares? Let's see what everyone else is saying here. El Laliet loves Green Day. I like the older stuff. I just don't like that particular album. Um. Music nothing, I love over music like, I hate. When I come around, right? Like that's when we stop. Yeah, that's 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 a great album. Yeah. Um, let's see. If Izzy Jones ever happens, will it have to be at heavyweight? Uh, Rogan B asks. Ooh, there's still a lot of criticism. Like Izzy saying this himself. He doesn't think Jones is really going to heavyweight. Um, dude, I don't know, man. Like. I think it still remains to be seen. I think it's still up in the air if Jones is really going to heavyweight. Like, I yeah, think he's I kind like of biding his time, to be honest. He looks very big, right? Like, that's that's one thing you, you'll, you'd say on the pro heavyweight thing. Like, I, I was trying to get this out of Behrman, and he was saying, our decisions have nothing to do with John Jones. But I'm like, mm. some part of me just feels like this is a troll for Izzy, like some part of me is like somewhere in his head, he's going, I can't wait to win that belt just so I can rub it in Jones's face. Mm. And what would be a funnier thing is like, not funny. It's a, it would just be a troll thing again, would be to remove the element of Jones from the heavyweight conversation. If he wins that belt to be like, now I'm going to go and face the winner of Nganu V. Stipe. I think I talked about this already, which is Jay, but it would be another troll. And it seems to be a narrative that's becoming more prominent as we approach the fight. But a lot has to be done before we can do that. Jan Blachowicz is not going to be an easy feat at all. 
Like, I genuinely feel like this is the hardest test we've seen Izzy in, in his UFC career. Yeah. Without a doubt. We both said this at the top. Like, if there's an upset that's going to happen, it's probably going to happen yeah. by Jan beating Izzy. That's probably going to be the one. Yeah. Piotr Jan versus Aljo is the closest fight of the three title fights. I really, you know, I I like Megan Anderson. I think she's great, you know. I I mean, I rarely go into a fight just like, oh, I hate this person, and I really want them to lose. Um, you know, I'd like to see her do well, and I'd like to see it be competitive. And, you know, from that standpoint, I don't really care who wins, but I doubt she'll win. <laughs> you know, like, pretty sure Amanda Nunes is going to walk home with a title. I mean, you never know, though, you know. When Amanda Nunes fought Cyborg, everybody thought Cyborg would wipe the floor with her, and that fight ended real quick real fast gdr also hurt amanda nunez in that fight like that that fight actually was um amanda nunez's toughest fight since she's been on this incredible run uh and then it went to the ground it was like okay <laughs> but gdr certain and it's gone then. yeah and it's gone and and that hope is just <laughs> that glimmer is just it's totally out um, yeah, I mean, Megan's lovely. Like, I've interviewed her. She's a very, very captivating person. She has an amazing story. She's had to deal with a lot of online abuse, and she's dealt with it very well. Um, you know, the funny thing about this is, though, I don't think the UFC are put, filling her with confidence. This is the last fight on her contract. Oh. You're going into a title fight on the last fight of your contract. That's, That's really great for her. She wins. Really great for yeah, it's, her. Yeah, oh, it's, it's amazing if she wins, but it's also showing the UFC's hand in a way. Yeah. Like they, like everyone else, are gonna be back. Like they they believe Nunes will win. And look, you're you're mad. Like it's obviously she's obviously the favorite. She's the favorite for a reason. Oh, she's yeah. the greatest female fighter who ever lived. And I think it's gonna be the biggest upset in the history of the sport if Megan Anderson beats her. Or one of top one, two, three, maybe. Mm. So if that like with with all that said, like us saying we believe Nunes is gonna win isn't saying that Megan's a terrible person or a terrible fighter. It's just that she is fighting the greatest yep. female fighter who ever lived. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's just, I mean, how do you pick against Amanda Nunes at this point? Just how do you do it? That's what we're Can't. saying. Fair enough. Well, I think we're about to wrap this up. Um, I see people are saying who's abusing women. Well, or, or uh, Megan, uh, Megan Anderson. I don't know why I said women. Uh <laughs> I mean, it, uh, that's kind of a Freudian slip. I think she's getting a lot of unnecessary attention because she is a woman and her attractiveness, and that's what happened with you know the whole Casey Kenny thing. It was very awkward. It was along stuff. them lines. Like Google it. I mean, it's she's talked about an awful lot. Fair play to her, you know. Yeah. Um. Let's see, Zach Batista. I think I did Jason last time. So Pizzi, you look like the definition when Grandma calls you handsome young man. Lawton, I'm trusting you to make sure he sees this. Aw. How did I end up well, seeing that on my own? Um, Zach Batista, what a compliment. <laughs> I was about to read it. <laughs> um, so really good point. Nicola Maxwell says she never misses a Lawton upload. The Composers Corner video did go up. Um, so we're about to wrap this thing up. So I want to let you guys know. Can you actually get the link for that real quick and post yeah. that into the chat? So um, the Composers Corner, we used to incorporate that into the live chat, but we are missing a little bit more of interaction with you guys and be able to fully flesh out some of these topics. So as you can see, we went everywhere today. <laughs> we went super deep into topics. And uh, what we want to do is really give Composer Corner its due, give it its real time, and give it a full edited MMA on point special feel. And so Lawton has actually taken over that series, so we're going to have to start calling them something else in the casual 
But um, he's now editing and writing these himself. He's absolutely killing it with these. And so um, we're publishing them on Wednesdays now on our Extras channel and uh, starting to see some real great growth there. So if you guys can check that out after this, definitely a massive shout out. There's also um, credit to Composa, his you know like people don't realize how much he's actually watching this stuff unless you are following him on twitter he has a patreon so just give him a shout out there you know we pay him to do these things as well but you know i think that the guy uh could uh you know he could use some support from the community so definitely give him a shout guys, out on patreon guys like you don't understand how revered this guy is in the mma community like i, I can't stress it enough like this guy is so integral to the sports growth to keeping fans in the loop with what's going on. There is no one in the world who watches more fights than this guy. There is nobody. It's There's nobody that knows more about <laughs> prospects from all around the world than this guy. He, he is he is so revered. Everybody loves this dude. Like, I mean, I can remember Twitter took down his channel a couple oh, of times. Yeah. And everyone in the sport went absolutely ballistic to get him back. He's a true great. He's he's He really is. Like, I, I can't speak highly enough about the guy. I think he's brilliant. If you're an MMA fan, you should love what he does. Yeah. You should love that he's part of the crew here with MMA on point. Mm -hmm. And the videos that he's been doing with Lawton are absolutely exceptional and well worth your time. Hardcores only, though. I don't want any of them casuals sneaking in there. <laughs> yeah, so this one is a special. It's got Tony Robbins, and it's got appearances from uh, excerpts Green of The Day. Secret. Uh, it's really good. It's really Green good. Green Day. Green Day. <laughs> Green Day is the soundtrack for the whole thing. You'll really, really, really enjoy it based on the way that we've There's talked about all those things. There's a debate about miles v kilometers. It's, it's quality <laughs> Katie Taylor makes an appearance. <laughs> um, and there will be upsets. There will be upsets. So we'll see that happen. <laughs> But I uh, really appreciate you guys joining us. Thanks a lot for setting up everything as always. Um, thank you for bringing that. That's ridiculous that you had two XLR cables in your car. Thank you, PT, for joining legend. us. You're a legend. And uh, thank you. we will see you guys on the next live chat and on the next video. And we'll see you immediately on that Composers Corner video. So yes. peace out, guys. See you. Peace. Mm -hmm.